You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Remember, Peter denied the Lord three uh, times. So poor Peter, like most of us, he forgot about the frailty of his flesh. You see, without the Lord's power and help, the best of us are weaklings before the enemy. Remember Jesus' words. It's recorded first in John's Gospel in chapter uh, 15 in verse 5. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Oh, we need to remember that. In our pride, we often try to take the reins back from God and handle the challenges of this life on our own. That's where Peter found himself on the night Jesus was arrested. He had devoted his life to following this man, and he'd come to believe he was the Messiah. But now he'd been betrayed and arrested. How could this be the plan? As Pastor Mike will remind us in today's message, When we find ourselves in moments of trial like Peter, we need to lean in and trust that God will fulfill His promises. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 as he begins his message, What God Has Done. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This is where we left off last time. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, that is, Christ's divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Father, we pray now that you'd open this text of Scripture up to us. Lord, uh, that you would use it to perfect your work in the lives of your people. Lord, I pray that we'd gain a greater appreciation for the work uh, that you have done and and continue to do within our lives. Father, that it might lend itself to our, uh, Lord, just making ourselves available and surrendering our lives uh, to you for that work to be accomplished in and through us. So, Lord, just bless now. God, as always, would ask that my words would be your words, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, once again, what God has done. You know, there's an old chorus that many churches sing. It goes like this. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. You're probably familiar with that chorus. In fact, at times we've uh, sung that song, that chorus, uh, in our uh, church. But how true are those words? In fact, this is one of the pinnacle truths of the Bible. 
That is, God is the source of all that is good, all that is holy, all that is just. James puts it this way in chapter 1, in verse 17 of his epistle, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of a turning. But you know, so often we are puffed up because of our achievements or the slightest achievements, something that we've accomplished. But, you know, everything that we have comes from uh, Him. Is there anything that we've received that we haven't received from uh, God? What have we accomplished apart from His power in our lives? So, therefore, all boasting is eliminated. You know, Paul said, and I want you to think about Paul, how profoundly used he was of God in his many accomplishments. But nevertheless, Paul, this is Paul's perspective. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, and verse 6, as he's writing to the church at uh, Corinth, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. And so if God hadn't given the increase, all of his efforts would have just fallen to the ground, would have had no impact whatsoever. So Paul knew that. So any achievement that he had accomplished, he realized, as well as we should uh, realize, that it comes down from heaven. It is a gift of God. You know, there was a time when Peter, who is the writer of this epistle, had been arrogant and pompous. Remember back when warned by the Lord that he would be betrayed by his disciples. Time was uh, running uh, short. He had, remember, he had that divine appointment in the city of Jerusalem to be crucified, to die on the cross in our place for our uh, sins. And so he's addressing his disciples, and he's warning them how that, that many of them would betray him and deny him. And Peter was present when Jesus made that statement. And how did Peter respond? Well, it's recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 26 and verse 33. Peter said, Though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. So Peter turned to the other disciples who were standing by, refers to them as lightweights. But Lord, I will never uh, be offended by you. I will never deny you. But remember, Peter denied the Lord three uh, times. So poor Peter, like most of us, he forgot about the frailty of his flesh. You see, without the Lord's power and help, the best of us are weaklings before the enemy. Remember Jesus' words. It's recorded for us in John's Gospel in chapter 15, in verse 5. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Oh, we need to remember that. But things have now changed for Peter. Peter is an elderly man. He's seasoned, and he's been made strong by all of the experiences, all of the work that God had done in him, that God had accomplished through him. No longer is he self-centered. No longer is he crafty. No longer is he worldly. Now he is God-controlled. He's directed by God. And he's giving God due recognition to the fact that God is the source of all blessing. So this is what he would have every reader of the second epistle understand. The Lord is everything. He is the only source of blessing. Now, let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 
uh, 3. Let's read that again. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Notice, all of that comes to us through Jesus, his divine power. Notice the words, all things. So the idea here is that such provision has no limits. There's no limitations to God providing for us the things that we have need of. I mean, what more do we need than life and godliness that's referenced here in this verse? Now, this life that Peter is referring to here is spiritual life. That kind of life. Spiritual life resulting from the new birth. We're born again of the Spirit of God. And that third dimension, we become awakened to it. I mean, prior to our conversion experience, we're only living on a two-dimensional plane. But after we're born again, we're made alive unto the things of the uh, Spirit. And that's why Paul says, the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, that is, until he's born again. So, if one has spiritual life, his most demanding need has been met. Why is that? Because the real you, the real me, is spirit. You know, think about it. We can get along without riches, without success, and many other things in our life's experience, but we will never know what real life is until we're born again by the Holy Spirit. And once we're born again, we become the possessors of true life, in the true sense of that word, life, and that eternal. That life that's produced in us by Christ's divine power and intervention. A miraculous transformation takes place in the one who is born again. You know, in John's Gospel, and let me use this as a cross-reference if you just quickly turn there uh, with me. In John's Gospel, in chapter uh, 1 uh, of that Gospel, in verses 12 and uh, 13, John puts it this way, But as many as received him, that is Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but rather of God. And notice this divine power not only produces new life in the believer, but also, according to Peter, godliness as well. Notice there, he refers to that in verse 3 of our text. Now also notice, Peter is careful here in our text to put life before godliness in the order of things. And why did he do that? Well, he had a reason. Because the divine life imparted whereby we are enabled to live a godly life. So we have to receive of that life before we can live a godly life. It's impossible to live a life of holiness and obedience until we've received life from the giver of life, who is God. Godliness is also the gift of God. And as simply as one receives life through divine power, through the divine power of Christ as a gift, so godliness must be received also. Now, get this, and this is very important. God does not expect the believer to try to live the Christian life. He desires that Jesus be permitted to live 
through you. And that's the difference between Christianity and every other so-called religion. Whereas religion, in, in man's religion, we're destined to fail. But in Christianity, God reveals to us through the scriptures his divine ideal, but then enables us, gives us the power through the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit to obey and to become those kinds of, of people. And therein is the difference between Christianity and other false religions. So God wants to produce godliness in all of us, but we have to give him the right of way. You know, Paul refers to this when writing to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 2 and verse 14. He says, Thanks be unto God, which always causes or leadeth us to triumph in Christ. So it can literally be translated in the original manuscripts, Christ is leading us to triumph over all things. That is to, to enable us to live that life of godliness, to live that life of holiness. Gang, there need not be defeat. Temptation and sin can be overcome. Jesus gives us the victory. The victory to those who follow in the paths of righteousness. And as surely as our Lord saves the believer from sin, he will keep us from sin. You know, the psalmist put it this way in the 56th Psalm in verse 13. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Oh, how wonderful it is that God just doesn't save us and then lets us struggle on the best way that we can. He enables us. He strengthens us. His divine power hath given us unto all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That's exactly what Peter tells us here in our text. We have all things in Christ, and thus we need nothing more. His strength and power are ours as we believe and trust upon him. But listen, we need to appropriate this divine power to live victorious. That's our part. The power Christ has provided should be received and utilized. You know, someone said, and I quote, Believers are not hired servants, supporting themselves by their own work, but rather they are children maintained at their father's expense. And I like that saying, and it's absolutely true. Now, Peter goes on here to tell us the best way to realize all of what we possess, that is what Jesus will do for us, is simply just spending time with him. That is, the contemporary uh, illustration would be just hanging out with the Lord, with him. Notice what it says there in the latter part of verse uh, 3. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And he's referring to the spiritual knowledge here. That is knowledge that is received into the heart, that is developed and deepened as we daily commune with Christ. Just simply hanging out with him, relying upon him for all Things, staying as close to him as we possibly can, walking with him daily, moment by moment. And as we increase our knowledge of him daily, notice here, according to our text, the glory and virtue, verse 3, to which we are called will become more and more evident in our lives through holy living. That's the way that it's revealed. 
And then also notice in verse 4, the reference to the precious promises. That is, those precious promises that have to do with salvation. Those precious promises calling sinners to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. You see, it is through those precious promises we come to know Him. We become partakers of the divine nature. And gang, this is more than just simple moralism or good works. Because according to this text, we are told that His very nature is imparted to us. The very nature of Jesus Christ. That, that nature of righteousness. And therefore sin no longer has dominion over us. In 1 John chapter 5, in verses uh, 4 and 5, why don't you quickly turn there with me. In 1 John chapter 5, in verses uh, 4 and 5, there we are told, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So sin no longer has dominion over us. Gang, there is no habit of sin that we cannot conquer. God has enabled us so that we might experience that victory. So listen, child of God, and that's who you are, have you claimed your treasures, your promises in Christ? Have you placed the load of your sin completely upon Him? Are you enjoying the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free? According to what is recorded first there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse uh, 1. What is that sin in your life robbing you of peace and blessing? What do we need to do? Well, just simply bow before the Lord and claim your victory. Recognize Christ's all-sufficiency and then fully trust Him. And so for those of you who may be uh, tuning in, who have never come to Jesus for your salvation, I encourage you to come now before it's too late. While your heart is softened, you've heard the Word of God, and, and God has spoken to you in a very matter-of-fact way this evening. Respond to it in kind and make that choice and decision for Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now before it's too late. That's the greatest need in life. That is to be born again of the Spirit of God. Come to Christ. Receive Him right now as your Lord and Savior. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he or she was cleansed from their old sins. Now, these things in our life exact a great responsibility. You see, we're not only to receive God's wonderful gifts, but we are to use and develop them. Because of what God has done for us, we shall be more than willing to give back by expanding our spiritual gifts and graces. Now, this is something that God expects of us. God is uh, pleading with us 
Uh, Peter is pleading with us as well uh, here in this uh, text. But you know what? All of the instruction in the Word, all of God's commandments, are for His people's blessing. And therefore, our benefit. Uh, so we're not giving up anything uh, to yield ourselves to do these things that we're exhorted to uh, do. Because in doing them, we will receive God's blessing. There's great benefit in uh, yielding uh, to them. I mean, we can either extinguish the flame that God has lit, or we can fan it. And I encourage you to fan it. So anyway, Peter here in verse 5, let's go back to our text. Notice he says, For this very reason... All of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, all of what God has done for us in Christ. Therefore, give all diligence. Give all diligence to the things that we're going to be talking about. That is because of the facts of what God has done for us. So, therefore, let us strive in every way possible with his provision. Now, this phrase, let's go back to this phrase, giving all diligence, can also be translated with intense effort, with intense effort. And that's the way that we are to approach this exhortation. So it's suggesting the seriousness and importance of our responsibility here. And gang, don't expect to grow in the precious faith uh, that is recommended to us here in verse 1 of chapter 1 without a zealous endeavor. You see, the Christian life just doesn't happen Yes, God gives us all things that are essential to life and godliness, but after they are received, after we've received those gifts, we must use them to glorify and magnify Jesus Christ. So, therefore, what is God looking for here? Well, he's looking for virtue. He's looking for fruit. He's looking for these graces to be produced in and through our lives. And notice here, there are seven of them that are listed in verses 5 through 7. And this evening we're going to go through all uh, seven of them. And also, another observation concerning these uh, graces, each one grows out of the previous one and in turn prepares the way for the next. Okay, so anyway, with that, with that said, let's go back to our text. And I want you to notice the first grace we are exhorted to add to our precious faith is virtue. Notice there in verse 5. Now what are we talking about here? Virtue that is in the moral sense. Developing moral character. Now, true faith in Christ always results in something. In fact, James tells us in chapter 2, in verse 17 of his epistle, Faith, if it has not works is dead being alone. So, if we know Jesus, our relationship is proven by a holiness of life. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long as we study the book of 2 Peter together, we pray it has encouraged you to mature in your faith. Growing in any capacity can be both exciting and difficult, but always necessary. One way to grow is to tune into programs like this. Great job! You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. 
To listen to today's message again or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on media via Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening service, so everyone has a chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Pastor Mike has much more to share from the book of 2 Peter, so be sure to join us again next time, right here on In My Father's House.